now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey Adam, it's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process. And storytelling. Don't forget the storytelling, Adam. <laughs> that was an alley-oop. Alley-oop? Yeah. Like, Josh, coming at you. Here we are. Josh, one of the things people don't know about me is I really like basketball. Yeah? And it's sometimes surprising. Cause I don't, because I, I don't think I always present like that. As like this yeah. guy who would be into a certain professional sports. Right. Yeah, you don't But I actually played a lot player, of sports yeah. growing up. I played a lot of tennis and basketball. I can see tennis in you. Playing I really tennis. can. Uh, but basketball, not so much, but tennis, yes. Yeah, I haven't played in a long time, but... Um, Do you want to know, know how I know? Tell me. Dig on me. You, you know how to rock those shorts. <laughs> You look, you look great in shorts, son. Cause you look good in shorts. That little, that little, those little white shorts—they look so good on you. You look cute in those little white shorts. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's a, it's like when you find out like a little secret about someone. I remember I, I had a girlfriend, and uh, we were on our way to Tassajara. Mm-hmm. Okay, for people who don't know Tassajara, Tassajara is a retreat center in the beautiful Santa Cruz Mountains. Only open, what, like April through October or something? So it's, it's a Zen monastery. It's very, it's very Zen, They're yeah, Buddhists, yeah, yeah. and uh, they open it up for six months a year, and you can go and meditate, and they serve you beautiful food, and there's a brook, and there's baths, uh, men and women separate. It's really, I, li- I really like Tassajara. Very, mm-hmm. very, and it's quite difficult to get to. There's mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. the road in is very difficult and there's a feeling of you're apart from the world which I like. Yeah. yeah. And um so we're driving up to Tassajara and it's the NBA finals. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. And I was like, let's just stop in San Luis and get get some food. So San Luis, for people who don't live in California, is San Luis Obispo, which is about an hour away from the, the road you take to get up to Tassajara. Yeah. And, and so oh, once you get on that little road, that dirt road for like an hour, you have literally like no communication with the outside. So that's why Adam's Yeah, it's that. really yeah. uncomfortable in a way. I did it in my Subaru when I had a Subaru because it had uh-huh. four-wheel drive. But yeah. you really could drive off the side of a cliff and no one would know. Yeah. It's very – it's it's kind of not cool. I don't think you're you're not supposed to do it at night ever. Anyways – and I was like, oh, yeah, let's just go to that, that like, gastropub. <laughs> <laughs> Make it up, Adam. Uh-huh. How, how'd that fly? And she was like, fine. And so we sat at the counter, and the, the game was on. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to watch a little basketball. <laughs> and, like, she's like, what? And I was like, yeah. It's just like, and she was like, she was really sweet and accepting of things. And, and uh like an hour later, like I'm still watching basketball. No, an hour. And she's later. like, "Oh, she's like, you didn't tell me this when we first got together that like you ah. were into basketball." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess I didn't." 
And uh, <laughs> she took out some work and just started working at the bar. She took out like a stack of like manuscript pages and just started working on stuff while I watched basketball and ate like French fries. Um, so, but don't worry. Afterwards, we went right to the monastery <laughs> where there's right. no basketball to watch. Wow. <laughs> That is so funny because, yeah, characters reveal themselves in layers. And that was just a, a layer you hadn't revealed yet. Well, it was on my mind because the NBA Finals were last week. And it was like this crazy NBA Finals where people got hurt and there was just ah, there was so much drama, you know. And, and, and like for the first time in a long time, it's not being held by a United States team. It's some country called Canada or something. First time ever. Uh, is, it, is it really the first time ever? First time ever, I mean, this has wow. to be the first time ever a Canadian uh, team has been the NBA champion. I mean, there, I don't know when the Toronto Raptors, there's only one Canadian basketball team. They're the Toronto <laughs> Raptors, and uh, uh-huh. they won. I was very happy wow. for Canada. Wow. I'm hoping they'll get a second basketball team now. The rumors are perhaps Vancouver. You could stop well, on the way to Hollyhock and watch a game, Josh. I, I could check out the big game. You know what's funny is that Air Canada, the airline that services Canada, had a fifteen percent off sale the next day. Did they really? Yes. I'm. And I love I, Canada. My college roommate, one of my college roommates, was from Montreal, so I spent a bit of time in Montreal. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Like, so there's a, there's a lot of pride, you know. A lot of, I mean, all I can say is when the apocalypse comes, that Canadian citizenship is going to be worse on me. <laughs> The apocalypse is right now, by the way. Is it? Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of basketball, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's where I was going with that. <laughs> and it's interesting. Like, I watch, like, a couple of basketball podcasts. I listen to them. Uh-huh. And I just listen being like, no, you don't understand. It's like this. Like, I want to, like, be on the show. <laughs> I start yelling back. Armchair. I, armchair style. I just, like, you know what? I, I don't think you're analyzing the situation correctly. This yeah. is what actually happened. This is the player's yeah. options in that situation. Yeah, uh, yeah they're misguided. They're misguided, Adam. They need you. They need you. Yeah. So, so you, you know what I want to talk about? I mean, I appreciate you sharing about the NBA playoffs and <laughs> yeah, how first-time sure. Canada and, yeah. you know, maple leaves. And... What's, like, the secret? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, is there yeah. a secret thing about you that people have been like, Josh is into that? You know, like... <laughs> Like dog fighting or something. <laughs> something oh, like that. that's sad. Tijuana dog fighting. Yeah. yeah. No, I, no, no, no. Like, no, no. Um, uh, you know, there was that. There was that, What was that? Uh, amore? No. Um, how do you say dog? Pedro? How do you uh, say dog Amores in Spanish? Paros, the movie about yeah. one of. About, about the dog fighting? Yeah, what dog fighting was in it? Quaron? That was in no, One of the. Sorry, feel bad. Don't know who made that. But that was an amazing film. That it's was really amazing. Good. Yeah. Not about your anyway, life, right? Not about my life, but it was an amazing film. <sighs> Things that people I mean, I'm so transparent on, on our show. It's like, geez, like I talk about my raw living vegan food, I talk about cacao, I talk about what what am I into that someone would be like, Well, that's an anomaly. I'm surprised, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. Pranayama. Maybe can I take a yeah. stab? Yeah, take a stab. I think people might be a little surprised to find out you, you grew up in a family that was, um, Chris, <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't it a Christian Science family? Yes. Well, yeah. I guess that's a little factoid that would. Yeah, be that's not really a surprise because yeah. it's not like yeah. Josh is secretly a Christian scientist. It's more yeah. like, huh? He had an upbringing as a Christian scientist. 
I had an upbringing as a Christian scientist. Um, I well, but this isn't what I'm into. But yeah, let's go down factoid lane. Um, I you know I had um, I had um, you know at one point uh, we had twenty seven dogs. Shut up, twenty seven dogs. Yeah. Twenty seven. Who had a dog fetish we, in your family? <laughs> my mom was uh, always picking up stray animals, you know, oh, that were abandoned. Sweet. Yeah. What do you think? So, was, um, what was that about? She just loved. Really? She loved to caretake. Caretaking, yeah. yeah. Abandoned, abandoned animals that are left by the wayside. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. That's a good instinct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very admirable. Uh, until until <clears throat> so we had I think I'm thinking seven? about adopting a, a, a dog here in Kauai. But mostly so it'll kill the chickens that roost all day. <laughs> so yours is a little more practical. Less, I'm looking for like a Rottweiler. Yeah. Something <laughs> fast. Something really fast. Oh, that's right, because the chickens are fast. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, in I believe Kauai is pretty much the only island like this, although I have heard there are other ones. There are chickens, wild chickens, because they proliferate here. They got out. Who knows? But at about 4.30 in the morning, the roosters start going. It's always something. The one, okay. the one good thing. I still the one am very good, grateful for being here. The one, the good thing about Kauai is that, and all the islands in Hawaii, is that they have no predator animals, and they have no snakes at all. That's true. So that's that's I a like blessing. No snakes. All right. So back to you. Twenty-seven dogs. So we had, I think we had like somewhere between five and seven permanent dogs or whatever you want to call them. And then, um, and then, uh, two or three, I think it was two for sure. Maybe three. No, it was two dogs. Two dogs at at the same time had litters of like nine puppies each. So that crested us to 27, but we also had raccoons. We had horses. We had. You can adopt a raccoon. No, the raccoon was procured somehow, and then we had a special... Jeffrey was his name, Jeffrey, the <laughs> raccoon. And he, he had his own little cage with his own little pond. Because raccoons are dangerous. Take your when, they become a, w- w- when they become adults, it, it's, it's, it's a problem. And so then at, at a certain time, I don't remember when exactly, um, he was liberated. I mean, n- not through death, but he was you know, taken into a cage and, and released into the wild. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Because uh, I remember yeah, yeah. At, at the Aslan Institute Big Sur, there are <laughs> raccoons, mm-hmm. and they know there's food in the, that lodge. Mm-hmm. And I remember some dude got drunk right night, and he like tried to feed the raccoons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all the, mm-hmm. all the farmers who live there were like, dude, don't do that. Like, like They will literally <laughs> take your finger off and not think twice about it. Right. And, and they also have, they're known to carry rabies and other diseases. Sweet. Yeah, but other than that, they're cute. I'm one with nature, man. It's just, I'm at yes. Esalen. I'm in the vibe. I'm in the frequency. I'm one with the raccoons. I'm just going to feed them a little bit of uh, organic bread. Uh-huh. As, as babies, as small uh, 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 raccoons, they're fine. It's only when they become adults. Okay, I feel like we're finding out like fun facts about you more than mm-hmm. like surprising character. Well, that's what we said. That's like when people like, are like, oh, factoid. when I tell people I was born in South Africa, they're like, oh, uh-huh. I didn't know that. It's like fun facts. Yeah, yeah, it's like factoid. And it's like the factoids aren't that, I mean, they're interesting, but they're not that compelling. It's usually like, um, you know what? Uh, let me get back with us, uh, us about the anomaly of me because okay. I, I know I have anomalies. Yeah. I, I just don't, I just, I'm just not coming up with them right now. Is there some li- like industrial like to go- product you use secretly, like Tide? Oh, the, 
Oh, Adam. Do you know, okay, this is real. You see, you struck a chord. So when I was traveling in Europe, I would go to different Airbnb-style places, and they would have soap. And this one place had this blue soap. But you know what I mean? Like blue soap? Like oh, it's not real blue about. soap? Yeah. It's, I have no idea. It's like whatever. And it smells like... Anyway. It's made from so, the tears of slaughtered cows. No, it's just so chemical-ridden. It's yeah. just like... Oh, I got you what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. They had it... We had it growing up like Dial. Yeah, this was liquid soap. But it was it was Paramount uh, to Dial or Pro- yeah. a Procter and Gamble product or whatever. Anyway, so I'm, I'm in the shower and I didn't get any other soap, and I have this soap in front of me, and I literally I literally begged my body to to uh, I'm apologizing to my body for doing what I'm about to do. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. And it was like I hope I hope my body will like be cool with this just a couple of times it's because i forgot i won't forget again you know but i did and i felt a little bad yeah yeah well what did, did you like eat some cilantro to detox you or something to have you I, rinsed, or- I, I, I rinsed it off really fast i felt like that was you know <clears throat> and you know, extra hot water uh and yeah and then i i would double down on my what do you use t- for soap in in west hollywood oh castile I mean, there's no question. Only the pure, pure liquid soap, Castile. Castile. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsored by. <laughs> but my body hadn't touched that, hadn't felt that, and God, I, I can't even. I, I don't even know how long. And I was just, I was so apologetical. I was just like, wow, I'm so I sorry. I got you. I got yeah. you. All right. Anyway. we should probably talk about something that would be helpful for our listeners. Uh, Josh had an amazing idea, which I think was good, which is the difference between directing and coaching when you're working with a performer or a story, really. Yes. So let's let's lay it out. Well, when you're working with anyone in any capacity, you know, yeah, um, then it's really good to identify what, what your relationship will be. Because because they're two very completely different approaches and skill sets and t- types of notes and actually uh, w- what the uh, ultimate intention is. Yeah. So the ultimate the the ultimate intention of someone who's coaching uh, uh, coaching you uh, helping you develop is to help you develop as a talent. So you're developing skills and and and, and sense and sensibilities and different different ways of getting it, but it's going to be through an organic process that you will grow from. And, and, and a director is there just to elicit something from you for a product as a result, and it's usually, there's usually money involved and there's usually uh, a, a time frame. And there's no, mm, there's no intent to develop you <clears throat> long-term skill sets and talents. Okay, so... Let's kind of break this down a little bit and why this is important. Let's say you're working on a solo show and you bring in a director, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're doing a scene. And let's just say, like, in this scene, uh, a couple's getting divorced. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between, like, how a director would work with that person and a coach would work with that person? So it's slightly different in terms of the world of performance and and writing uh you know in terms of how it would look but if um if i'm directing the show 
my intention is to is to have a singular vision for what it is I want to create and then to have the actors execute that vision. And then I will give them a series of instructions to to in order to to fulfill my vision. So I will I will move I will move the actors around on stage. I'll I'll, I'll set up certain shots or or if it's a feature or something that's filmed, I'll set up different shots and from certain pers pers perspectives. I'll even could even have like a certain uh, vision or, or or auditory thing of how a line should be delivered, in terms of emphasis and like what what it's about. So <clears throat> it's about fulfilling that vision, or you know, or there's a producer involved, and you know, the notes are are being filtered that way as well. If I'm working with an actor to develop talent. Then, then it's a completely different thing because then, it, then it's a, it's an inquiry that we're both digging into. I may have a vision of of what it is in terms of the long term, but I also give a huge amount of space to the talent to 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 influence that ultimate vision. It's almost like co-created, but it's also even if I know where it could go, I still leave space for the uh, artist to uh, make their own discoveries. And I and I also. Uh, set up uh, uh, exercises so that they can make those discoveries. You know, uh, it's it's by design to some degree. Yeah, I think I experience that a lot when I work with people who bring me manuscripts, whether mm -hmm. it's a script or whether it's a short story or a memoir. And that for most people, you have to get into the habit when you're coaching them of you can sometimes see the vision of what this can be but you have to mm -hmm. resist one's own temptation on the other side to just tell them and give it to them for a couple reasons. First, I think even if you have a strong vision, and this is what editors do a lot with, with at publishing houses, you don't actually always know what the story should be or what the book should be or what the script should be because you kind of close off the possibility of some, I think some discovering of what that is. If you just tell them, here's the direction, this is what it could be. Mm -hmm. And I think the other point that's being made is that like, if I teach someone how to look at a scene and to think through who are these characters, what do they want, uh, what is in their way, what are the details of the scene, what came before, if I take them through that process for figuring out what is happening, mm -hmm. ideally I've taught them how to do something that they can repeat and do themselves with less help from the outside. Meaning yes. they will approach their initial drafts from a better place in the future. So it's you, a question of you, empowerment, I think, on some level. Exactly. That's the exact word I was going to use, empowerment, and also not creating codependent relationships. Right. You know, because you, know, you can easily turn a relationship into a codependency. Yeah, um, and I, I think to take it not to a dark place, but I think some people on the directing end... Yeah, and on the coaching end, that's a comfortable place to be dependent on. Yeah, yeah. And rather than viewing it as like I'm going to get this person to the point where they don't need me anymore, exactly. Which is yeah, a healthier I, place. And 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 then the work continues because then that person is going to take it on. They're going to make modifications and adjustments in their own way. And they're going to share it with other people. And so it's actually how it's it's actually based on how nature works and evolution works. So and it, I wanna, it is a yeah, part of that larger process. Right. They'll eventually be able to help other people. I think yeah. it's also a question of like, even if you are still working on it, it's about their evolution. Mm -hmm. And so like, 
They may just need you less. It's, I think it's difficult to be completely tight without ever needing outside input. You, I think you often need other eyes and help. It's not that. It's that, like, the amount that you need should shift and also uh, your ability to take yourself through a process should improve. And you start to be able to work on higher and higher level stuff. Meaning you're not just working on, like, basics. You're working on really complex details of character, complex detail of structure. You, be, be, you, be, you start to be able to enter in that relationship with whoever's working with you at a higher level, I think, a more complex mm-hmm. level. Yeah, well, let's include the word collaboration, you know, because a lot of times people, especially in Hollywood, you know, well, everywhere, people know and trust and have relationships and want to work towards collaboration. But here's here's one of the key factors to look for, which is in this relationship, is this person interested in in my development or are they interested in my project? And if they're interested in my development as an artist, then they're interested in a process. If they're only interested in getting this project executed against and and completed, then by its nature, they're they're going to be more result orientated. And that's always, you know, that's often the case if you've got a theater run or if there's a film that ultimately wants to go and is going to get financed and go in production. You know, that's just mm-hmm. a reality there that people. All right. right. So, uh, I want to be clear. Neither one is better or worse. You just need to know. You just need to know who you're talking to and, and what the intention is. That's that's critical. And I think the point sometimes when I've been a little bit di- disappointed in my life sometimes mm-hmm. in this is that like I get yeah. it. I can, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, it. Adam. I, I want to hear about your disappointment. Tell me life. about your disappointment. About disappointment. <laughs> How long Tell is this one going on? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Professionally when, speaking. Yes. When there mm-hmm. isn't really money at stake, like mm-hmm. when we're not talking about a theater run or a TV or film production, in a classroom setting, you know, mm-hmm. there's often just a ton of results-oriented teaching going on because people want, walk in and they're like, oh, I want to get, uh, I want to leave here with a completed first act of my play, of my, excuse mm-hmm. me, my feature. Mm-hmm. And that's in an oppor- that's in an environment where there isn't like some... One million, five million, thirty million dollar budget at stake. It's just trying to help someone develop as an artist, so they can develop their story from a stronger place. And I think that's why I always, I got really frustrated in some of those classes, being like, I can teach this better, you know. Like when I was taking those, I, the frustration came from that personally of being like, this person does have a compelling idea. It's just not helping them to tell them this, this, and this is bad. Do this. Because they need to organically figure out what they're interested in in this story and who these characters are and where they're coming from as a writer. So that's how they were trained. You know, that that teacher was trained that way. And so that proliferates. It's, you know, and then we all become victims of victims because then the teacher is going to say, well, these people just want results. They just want to walk out with a with a with a with a draft. And then the te- and then the student comes in and says, well, I just want this draft to be better. So, you know, it's like they both bl- it's almost like in the healthcare world where the doctors blame the patients now for wanting prescriptions. As opposed to wanting to deal with it systematically, you know, systemically, I should say, systemically for their health. They're like, well, the patients come in and they ask for blah, blah, blah. I have to give it to them. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. we got to stop this cycle. And and the teacher or the doctor is the one that's in the position to break the cycle. It's a really good analogy because I always felt like one of the problems with Western medicine is that it's completely disempowering of the patient. Mm -hmm. And like... Mm -hmm. 
you go to your doctor to fix to hand you a pill and to fix something mm-hmm. rather than to train you in how to like be in, like god i almost yeah. used the word embody josh <laughs> when i use that word there's a hole in the floor and whoa. i drop into lava whoa be careful but to take responsibility for their health yeah and yeah, exactly. i would say on the flip side i think there's a very comfortable place for a lot of doctors i am the exactly. i am the dispenser of knowledge the pill i know i know more than you about your body mm-hmm. uh, it's that kind of relationship that's not super helpful but is super comfortable both probably emotionally and let's be honest financially for a physician yeah and so uh it's because that we, that we're because, just saying we like live. and i don't think it's always either or i think you can start to Sometimes you like sometimes when you're working with someone and they're just really struggling, you will give them a little bit of a results note and say, "Okay, this is just yes. to help you along, but yes. let's look at this other place." It's not either or. It's that sometimes people have no consciousness of like, rather than just telling someone this dialogue is over the top, on the nose, not working. Why don't you give them some tools to start to identify what good dialogue would be, how they can discover it themselves, how to read their work aloud, how to listen to other people's dialogue, how to understand when their dialogue is working, you know? Developing sense and sensibilities. That's the longer road. And then absolutely, sometimes you need an intervention of, of antibiotics. You know, sometimes you just need to because you're, you need to save the, save the person so they can be around to heal. And, and having that sensitivity and awareness is, is, is key and, and, and the ability to pull from what is needed when it's needed. So this is just something for all you guys out there to look at. Whenever you're collaborating, whenever you're looking for a teacher, it's just a little bit of a filter to see, oh, how is this person working with me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I growing and becoming more adept at producing my own work from a, from a more nuanced place or am I just being corrected and then taking this note back Mm -hmm. and trying to fix it. Right. And the key question I always ask myself, is this, and this is, I ask myself before I give notes and when I receive notes, is this a process note or is this a result note? And when I give notes to people, I do my best to always identify what kind it is so that I don't have a misunderstanding as to what it is that we're talking about. For sure. Yes, exactly. Thank you for listening. You can go to the Facebook page. Josh posts updates there, and you can get all information about our episodes. We'd love us if you write us, uh, rate us. Excuse me at Apple Podcasts. Josh is teaching. That at would Hollyhock. be a result, right? That would be That'd a be result, result right? that we would yeah, love. Okay. <laughs> We're almost like at fifty reviews. Uh, Josh is teaching at Hollyhock. If you want to yes. go all into deeply into listening in the creative process, that's over the July fourth in. Cortez Island, a very beautiful place, which I would highly recommend. There's a link in the show notes to that. The sound on this show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod, and the editing and design is courtesy of me. We'll talk to you later. Bye.